Welcome to the Practica Podcast, where we encourage the practical application of the pulpit ministry in the local church. I'm one of your hosts, David, and I am now with Josh the Man Loftus. The man the man Loftus. Oh. The man hmm. the man Loftus. Interesting. We're switching roles like we are. all the way around. We're yeah. yeah. Not very complimentarian of us. Look at us. <laughs> <laughs> I I know we're doing a video chat over this, but we're both men, so oh, I, I, I think it's it, it. I get into that. I get it, I get into that. Like you know, leading that the whole. Never mind. It's 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 a dumb joke. <laughs> I shouldn't have made the joke. It's stupid. That, I'm tired, and when I'm tired, I make dumb jokes that aren't funny. So that's what just but happened. We can, but you know what? We can be equal in all our roles, which complement each other. Absolutely, so. we can. Hundred. We'll just there say we thank we'll you for saving my both. bacon there. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> All our friends who've recently studied complementarianism are just be like, I hated that episode. Yeah, that was the worst. <laughs> like, from the get-go, yeah. gee, that was the worst yeah. thing I've ever heard. <laughs> well, joke's on you. Before we hit record, we already knew that. Yeah, we already knew that. <laughs> David and I are, we are both, exa- um, for different yeah. reasons, just exhausted today. Uh, yeah. Mentally and physically, just out of it. So, yeah. But I will say, yeah. part of the reason... I don't know for you. Part of the reason I'm exhausted is long night last night, you know, with our community groups mm. and you got to be there. I did. And yeah, I have that, to say that was, awesome. that was so fun. We have so many good questions. Um, and so the yeah. bulk of our time will be uh, um, questions and interacting with some comments that were made that were really uh, uh, encouraging. And so before we get to that, though, because we've switched places here, I, have. I have a dad joke for you. I have a dad joke. And then a dad joke was sent in. Oh, man. Which I'm so appreciative. Um, so even if we don't like it or or we don't laugh, um, it was it's still certified. It was certified by a dad. Which oh, is it awesome. was sent to you by a dad. It was sent to me. It was sent to our Practica website. Oh, my goodness. Um, uh, by a dad in our church. Okay. And then also he sent a question. So he did all man, the steps. Above and, so, and beyond. Shout out to this dad. Whoever, whoever, yeah. I guess he'll reign, reign nameless. But shout out, shout out to this dad. <laughs> apparently, well done to protect his identity. If the joke sucks, oh no, <laughs> no, I think All it'll right, be good. Late, late on, um, I don't know how much. I don't know how much you know of history, so we'll see. We'll see how all this comes together. Okay. But, um, what happened when Napoleon set off a bomb? I don't know what. Napoleon blown apart. <laughs> <laughs> that's not, that's you see? Sounds not you bad. See? I like it. I like it. Now everyone's yeah. Googling what's yeah. Napoleon's last name. Yeah. Dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I love it. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. Was that yours? Are you ready for mine? That? Oh, oh. No. No, that was the official the, that dad joke. That was the joke, official dad joke? Oh, dude. Okay. That one wasn't bad. I, I liked that one. No. That was good. That I, was I good. feel like if you I feel like if you know your history, yeah, it's, yeah. it's good. If if you're if you don't um, then, then it's a little harder to get that. But. I like it. I like it. All right. Yeah. What do you got? Okay. So my joke. So my son Luke uh, loves that when we decided to name our children Star Wars characters, <laughs> we named him Luke. But my daughter Chewbacca just still yeah, is not I on board. Saw that coming. <laughs> I said, "Dude, yeah. the the certified dad joke was way better than that one." That one. Yeah, was, it that was. One was. It was horrible. Way to go. Uh, Way to go. See, this is why, everyone, you need to send in dad jokes. Yes, you do, because otherwise um, we, they are. we just we Google them, and this is what you get. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Or even even if it's beneficial, you know, maybe hey everyone, send us Google links at yeah, least. You yeah, know? exactly. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't even have to be your own. Save you can us. Just say here's where I know. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. But anyways, all right. Um, we are continuing in chapter three. You we preached are. on verses sixteen through eighteen as I was away at one of our NEB Northwest sister churches. Yeah. And um, cool to serve them. And why do we call them sister churches? Why not brother churches? Have you ever asked that question? No, but now I that know. you're saying that, right? I'm like, oh man, another topic yeah, for another time. But that, why not brother funny. churches? Why yeah, sister churches? I did, I did have a I did have a kid ask me why is it called a sister church? And it's like the idea of it, you know, being siblings. Yeah, of course. But that's that's why not, funny. Why not know, cousin I mean, churches? Why not step churches? <laughs> well, because we're all part of the direct family. But right. brother, I'm starting to yeah, brother yeah. churches, who's, sister who's, churches. Uh, I don't know. Maybe wow. maybe the maybe the the complementarian ones are brother churches, and the egalitarian ones are sister churches. So maybe that's what it is. Man, <laughs> your big focus. Is I'm like sorry, I can't. I don't know. This is what happens when Man, I get tired. Much, I get laser listen, focused on Josh, something stupid. Yeah. Josh, get off Twitter. Ignore the SBC updates. Oh my goodness gracious, dude! That's the best <laughs> advice you've ever given me. Uh, I know. Let's let's hop into the set because we're already we're already way off track here. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that sounds good. But I um, want answers to that question. I uh, that's still in my head. Okay, now I'm, uh, I now I'm really gonna like track down somebody and 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 try and ask. I'm gonna try and come up with an answer to that. There you go. There you go. So we'll we'll see. But anyways, uh, we are in oh, chapter three. I just got it. You just got what? I, I, ju- I just thought up the answer. It's because we're the... To the, the sister? No, yeah, it's because we're the bride of Christ. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the answer. It's so theologically simple. I, I, love, I love how you just, you had to interrupt I'm for sorry, that. I'm sorry. It literally popped into my head. It's the most theologically uh, Josh, I don't- simple answer ever. And we I don't think we should switch places it. anymore. This is this is horrible. We should just start start the sip over. This is the worst step we've ever yeah. done. <laughs> of course it's the yeah, of it. course it's the, the Sunday I preach that we have the worst step we've ever done. Like it seems <laughs> seems very fitting. Uh, could, anyway. could you imagine like looking into the statistics in the next oh, year? It just like, stays at 10. There, there's like there, there's like there's like <laughs> there's like seven downloads. Like, uh-huh. yeah. I was three of those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's so All right. great. For real. Here we go. Oh, well, turning to the word of the Lord, um, we were in verses 16 through 18. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is what the Apostle John says. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And the grass withers, the flower fades, Mm -hmm. but the word of our God stands forever. Amen, it does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So give us a recap, Josh. That's right. Yeah, I guess this is my recap now, huh? You're right. you're the man. I'm going to try to do this without uh, talking about complementarianism. Apparently, <laughs> for some reason, I'm <laughs> fixated on that. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So um, I think I said this in small group last night too. I did something in this sermon that I don't normally do. I actually had right, I actually yeah. had points 
Like like actual legitimate yeah. points. I had three points in my sermon. Normally, I just kind of rifle through verse by verse, and we talk about them. Uh, right? That's just that's just kind of my style of preaching. I don't like re- usually being confined by points. Not putting down anyone that has points. If you if that your brain works like that, fantastic. Mine never has, but this one actually it, it actually worked out. So I, I had three main yeah. points talking about how the love of Christ, what he has done for us, how that should practically result in how we love one another, right? There's a reason that John, in his definition of love, he starts with a person of Christ, right? So that that's where we need to start. He says, if you want to know how to love each other, if you want to know actually what love looks like and how to practically show that you love each other, you got to look to the person of Christ, right? Ultimately, look to how he sacrificed mm. himself for you. Look at how he loved yeah. you. Look at how he lived. Look at why he died. Look at everything that Christ did on your behalf. Let that be the template, the filter, and the motivation for how you love one another, right? So that's verse yeah. That's verse 16. By this we know love. You want to know love? How do we know it? He laid down his life for us, right? So my first point was love is self-sacrificial. Right. So the love that we have for one another needs to model Christ in that it is not a love that stems out of selfish motivation, but a desire for the good of our brothers and sisters. Right. And it means that we're denying ourselves, putting on Christ and seeking the betterment of our brothers and sisters at the dispense of uh, of our glory or, you know, our whatever it is that would be a selfish motivation for caring for one another. We need to let that go. Right. And make sure that our love is self-sacrificial. Right. So obviously we look at Christ. Um, We can look at the history of the church and see uh, the martyrs that gave their life for for uh, ultimately the gospel, but also that the truth of the gospel would would go out to their brothers and sisters. Right. Um, We have a a lifetime, a, a history of our faith that has been written in the blood of the martyrs. Right. And we can see how they practically showed their love and their commitment to Christ and to their brothers and sisters through their actions, right? So love is self-sacrificial. Second one is love is generous, right? Verse 17, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him, right? So we talked about how this self-sacrificial love... Although we must, as Christians, be willing, ready, and able to give our lives for the cause of Christ, give our lives for our brothers and sisters, if that should be what God calls us to do, at least in the context that we're in, that's going to be very unlikely that that should happen, right? Um, Right. So there are other ways that you lay your life down. There are other ways that that you show Christ's love to your brothers and sisters. And one of the main ways that John focuses on here, something I really like, is that he gets practical. Right? He actually gives you an example. Here's a, actually a tangible way that you can show the love of Christ. It's by being generous right. to your brothers and sisters. Right, uh, If you have the world's goods, which he doesn't say having the world's goods is is a bad thing. Right, The opposite of the prosperity gospel is not poverty. If God has blessed right. you with, with wealth or you know, houses or property or you know, whatever it is, th- thank the Lord for that. But also realize that he has given you that for a reason and for a purpose, right? It's yeah. not to hoard it. It's not to keep it for yourself. It's to bless your brothers and sisters with it, and thereby God getting the glory. So second point was love is generous. Third point was love is practical, 
Verse 18, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. The way that we love each other must be true, right? But it can't just stop at our words. It must correlate. It must transfer into actual real life application. Otherwise, John's saying, it's not love. It might be something, but it's not love if it's not actually practically living out. So we ended with the question, do you grow tired of your brothers and sisters, right? Because if we're going to take this verse and practically apply it to our lives, we see that the local church is the main, not the only, but the main avenue by which we as Christians are called to to show this, right? Show this gen- generous, self-sacrificial, practical love, right? Um, and we are required to ask ourselves, right? Do we grow tired of one another? Do we grow tired of, of, of being generous to one another? Why aren't we committing to one another in these practical ways? What are the reasons that we're not doing that, right? And taking real inventory of our lives and asking ourselves, am I loving my brothers and sisters the way that Jesus loves me, right? Mm. And that's a question that we need to be constantly asking ourselves, right? So. Yeah. Love is self-sacrificial, love is generous, love is practical. That's basically the synopsis of the sermon with a yeah. awesome Spurgeon quote right in the middle that I just, I, I, had, <laughs> I completely adored. It was savagery. Yeah, Spurgeon, yeah, it was really good. Spurgeon is nuts, dude. I love him so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's been helpful as I'm studying for this Sunday. Um, you know, one of the things you talked about last night that I know um, that you you went into more detail um, than, than you had on Sunday, um, was part of your like high school years. Mm, Like you took in all the theology, all the reform theology, but it did not really then bleed out into your practice. Right. Um, I think that was really helpful for our people because, um, I don't, I mean, I think a lot of our people are receptive to reform theology. I think we could count on one hand, the people at Redeemer that, um, are, probably have studied a lot of reform theology and and even have exposure and so a lot of people are very new to it and so that kind of um language you know even of um you know being cold to the brethren Mm. and you know like having all like this big head full of reform theology and the tendencies of that camp uh, it was so cool to hear you dive deeper into that and really talk about how you know, what your meaning behind that. And I love these kind of recaps because that's, that's the thing I think, you know, we were even acknowledging in our uh, afterwards from the group times that essentially, you know, we're all coming from these different backgrounds and what we're, what we have seen is not necessarily what we are seeing in our local church, both good sure, um, sure. and different. And so, yeah, it really causes us to kind of have to pause and really ask, you know, am I defining am I defining love and truth according to the word or according to uh, my past experience or how I think I would want this to be? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think I think there's a misconception and, and I, I definitely know that I had it that that theological the, like <laughs> being theologically, correct does not equal living a way that's theologically correct right mm-hmm. like i can have yeah. i can and i did right and and i mentioned this last night i'll mention it to uh, our, our listeners here too that might not go to redeemer like high school and college was just a testament in my life of what it looks like to 
talk the talk but have zero walk, right? Mm. Like I I was raised at the feet of giants, right? I'm talking R.C. Sproul, uh, I, listening to Sproul and MacArthur and Piper and Sinclair Ferguson, Alistair Begg, and like like all of this, these 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 like pillars of just great teaching, right? Yeah, and it filled me with all of the knowledge and all of the correct ologies and all of the correct isms, and and I could I could talk Calvinism like crazy, right? But man, all that resulted, and it wasn't the problem of the preachers. It wasn't the problem of the theology. It was a problem with my heart, because I utilized that theology as a means to gain knowledge and influence, and to make myself look important, make myself look cool, make myself look like I had it all together, instead of understanding what that theology is supposed to result in, humility and a love for the people of God. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's 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 something that is, I think, very poignant, especially in this passage. Right. Is is don't wa- don't love in simply word. You got to love in yeah. deed. You got to love in truth. It has to be true, but yeah. it has to be practical. Right. Right. Yeah. Prove it. Yeah. Exactly. It yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Prove to me you actually believe this by actually yeah, living I've, what it says. Yeah, right, right. Show in your actions what's coming from your heart. Right. Um, a heart that's been changed, right? Exactly. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, we've been sent some questions really yeah. around those, really around that subject of, Top and um, you know, how how do we how do we love one another? How do we practically mm-hmm. do this? You know, um, I, I do want to share a, a listener from our church had um, put in an observation, a, a comment, um, not at all a... Uh, really a question, but he shared in his community group last night on Wednesday night. He said, we took a moment to read the second London Baptist Confession, chapter 16, paragraph two. And he said, I thought the confession provided a very helpful observation of what good works done in faith and obedience to God can look like in serving the body of Christ. Yeah. Um, great encouragement for people to go read the second London. I, I would say even if you have not read it, um, the second London, just like the Westminster or the Savoy Declaration or the Philadelphia, yep. sure. um, those are really helpful to see how has the church historically answered these kinds of questions. Right. Um, so this is a note of encouragement from a comment that we received. Um, <clears throat> these questions all, of course, kind of have different focuses within your exposition. So sure. I'll ask them and, and you can start with uh, interacting. We can interact with them together. Okay. Um, the first question, a little longer, was what role should the local church play in ministering to members' daily needs, mm. i.e. food, clothing, health care? Uh, there are many social services that the government offers to help people in need. Should church members seek assistance from the government? And should church members seek assistance from the local body first? Uh, that's that's a, a huge that's question. That's a massive question that I think is going to have different answers depending on the church. You right? you want me to you want me to start uh, <laughs> with that one? Uh, yeah, I'm, what with <laughs> with that question? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. go for it. <laughs> you know, when I was yeah. when I was studying Ephesians years ago, um I had come across a historical letter to the church in Ephesus. It was about Ephesus. This was like I think it was, you know, the letter was written in like between 250, 350 AD. And essentially it was an emperor um, who 
had communicated to another official in saying the church is a nuisance to us and it is a nuisance to us on a governmental level because the church is so concerned about caring for needs that it's not just done that for their church but also for the surrounding community and if we don't if we don't pay attention to that um, religion will get in front of government was essentially the concern because then people would realize, wow, there's something different about Christians. And so uh, that was very helpful and influential to me. Again, the letter really communicated even that the first care was to um, members in the local church and then to the surrounding community. I think that order is important. And I think that both of those are mentioned are important. So I think the, the the role of the local sh- church is to help as much as they are able. Uh, that's why we give sacrificially, financially. Um, and we'll talk about that more in another question. But I think while there are social services that the government can provide, and, and certainly there are all kinds of needs of which, you know, some believers are invested in and, and they can, I don't think that should ever cause the local church to say, well, that's available. So, you know, a food bank is open. I don't need to feed anybody. Um, a person walks by and says they're hungry or a member says they're in need. You know, I, our, our first recommendation shouldn't be, you know, to someone saying, I don't know how I'm going to pay my electric bill to say, well, there's community action. Yeah. Um, I think that I think that reveals more of an issue in your own heart than a than a financial need in, in their life. So some thoughts there. Let me read from Acts chapter 2, starting in verse, um, let's say, 44. It says, and this is speaking about the early church, right? It says, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing them, excuse me, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Here we have such an amazing picture of how the early church not only takes care of themselves, but also those around them that are in need, right? Because they understood the love of Jesus Christ needs to be practical, Right now, realistically, you're not going to take care of everyone's need all the time. That's just that's not going to happen. Right. And each church has uh, their limits on how they can help, depending on the size of the church, the amount of money coming in, the the demographic of the church. Right. So so how this plays out is going to look differently with with different churches. Right. However. Right. This mentality here that we see in the early church in Acts chapter 2 should be the mentality of every church, that everything we have been given as a church, as individuals within that body, is for the purpose of serving and blessing our brothers and sisters and being a light to the community. As the community looks in and sees, wow, look at this church that is committed to helping, right? Look at this church that loves each other in this way, right? So I... It, it, it's my opinion, like, when these needs arise in the church, right, I believe that the local church, that their local church should be the first ones that they go to. And if the local church has the ability to take care of it, they should. I would say they have an obligation to, right? Yeah. If they can help a little bit, then they should help a little bit, right? If, if they can help 
sustain while perhaps another option is found out, then then do that, right? Again, depending on on uh, the particular issue and the type of church. But we should never ever just see the just just close the doors and say no. Right. Yeah. Um, we should have this mentality of wanting to be generous, wanting to be caring for one another. And I think we see that explicitly modeled here in the early church in Acts chapter two. Yeah. So uh, both in agreement there, uh, resounding yes, we should seek the assistance of the local church first. And how that I think that hopefully goes into our next question, which was how do you communicate needs? Um, some of the notes around that question that I received were, you know, how do you communicate needs without sounding like you're needy or that you're begging for attention or for, you know, for all your, all your things, you know, all your needs to be checked off of a list. So, so is communicate this, needs? is this the individual coming to the church communicating their needs or is this the church commuting to the congregation, the needs that are present, which... Which one? We're talking. This is this is talking about um, an individual member of the church bringing a need oh, sure. before all the members. Okay, I mean, I would say bring it. I'd say bring it to your elders, right? I, I mm. you know, you know, bring it, bring it to the elders, and then I think it's the elders' responsibility. One of their responsibilities to care for their congregation and bringing it to the congregation, right? Um, I think there should be that confidence and that accessibility with your elders and that trust that that they're not going to shame you, right? Like if you're short on rent this month because the economy is hard, we've all been there. Like I get it. <laughs> We're going to do everything that we can to help you, right? And that's one of the main things that your elders are there for is to care for you, right? Not not just for your spiritual health, but also your physical needs. Like we we want to be there and we want to use any of the resources that are at our disposal to do that. So I, I would encourage that individual, like if you have a need, uh, don't be bashful about it. Come, come, tell your elders about it, and and then allow the elders to to you know work the resources that we have in the church to be able to meet that need in the best way that we can. Yeah, I also think there's a difference between having a discomfort in communicating needs and an unwillingness. If you're unwilling, oh, yeah. I think that can also. That can also be some kind of pride, you know, mm-hmm. of I don't I don't want to be in a position that's vulnerable and um, and hard for me. You know, I mean, yeah. again, the, the, the difficult reality of that is then, I mean, again, the only reason you're in a position to be helped by a local community, you know, by a local church is because you're among those who are needy spiritually. Absolutely. And you have a savior that only receives you as a needy beggar sinner. Right. You know, (laughs) so reminding who we are in, you know, uh, in, in, as those sinners saved by grace, um, I think is a helpful reminder, uh, as we're communicating needs we're we've come to the table needy. Absolutely. um, Every Sunday. And we have brothers and sisters. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, hopefully, hopefully (laughs) the table will be something we come to (laughs) needy. I know (laughs) we'll, we'll get there. Freudian we'll slip, yeah, but yeah, no, no, no. That's uh, uh, that's 100% correct, right? I think there is there is a massive difference between being uncomfortable because socially it, it can be embarrassing, it can be shameful. There's a stigma uh, against that, especially in the country that we live in today, right? But you yeah. don't you don't see that stigma in the in the early church. 
You see yeah. a willingness and a love and a camaraderie, right? And that's what we should have in the local church, right? But you're 100 percent correct. If it if it's if it's stemming that you you don't want to be seen as needy, therefore you're not going to be saying anything, right? Which is something that I have struggled with myself. Is I don't want to I don't want to appear weak. I don't want to appear like I don't have you know uh, my life together. So I'm just not going to say anything and suffer in silence. Yeah, that's pride. Yeah, that's that yeah. that's pride, and you're hurting yourself further. You're hurting your family further by not humbling yourself, understanding that you are the same as the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. You are just as needy as the rest of us. Yeah. Come to the church, get some help. We're like we yeah. we want to help. We're, we're in this together, right? So that's the yeah, yeah. Yep, I would say I would say both of those are very very true. Yeah, I think your point too on on communicating to the elders is really good, and don't forget your deacons. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. I know. I know that that's not out outside of your scope when you're saying that. I I just think I I think it is at times um, off the scope of people's minds. They think the deacons, you know, set up communion, mow the church lawn, you know, and and make sure the pastors are happy. Yeah. But really, the the deacons are the ones who are to have the first pulse. Mm-hmm. on how is the physical how are the physical needs of the church being met right. and when i say that i say that intentionally to say they're the first yeah not the only yeah right so it all kind of interconnects so you say elders i say deacons we together say members and sure. the church needs to work together yep so yep so in light in light of that you know as we're talking about loving one another one of the questions you know of course like we're, we're talking about the realities of how it needs to be sacrificial it mm-hmm. needs to be you know I, I think the thing that you know not in the way of of like causing harm to ourselves um or 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 hurting ourselves beyond what's okay but like there needs to be like um, you know, some discomfort to the working out of being sacrificial. Sure. You know, um, I mean, again, when when life is brought forth in a family and you're celebrating that new child, you sacrifice some sleep. Sure. But it's for the care of another life. And so um, in light of that, you know, there there can be all sorts of different expectations. And one of the questions that came up was how can we love one another and also have boundaries. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think, I think the context of that question is really said in the concern of, you know, there may be, you know, one family that says, okay, to love one another, we're going to take every other day and we're going to spend that with people in the church. Sure. And, and then another family says, man, that's a really neat idea. That doesn't work for our family. So sure. we're going to take the entire yeah. weekend and we're going to pack it full. And, and then another family, you know, says, hey, we've got midday. Let's hang out with everybody midday. And so, you know, when you get, you know, the midday family with the weekend family and the weekend family with the evening family, you create, you know, there's some dynamics. And then, you know, how when you start talking about needs, yeah. uh, what happens when you have people with a ton of needs uh, and, and you kind of go, okay, how do I have boundaries for, for some rest Right. Or for, you know, the dynamic of differences and all those kinds of things. Yeah, and that's a really great question because I think I think we have to be very careful in our desire to serve, in our desire to, to press into uh, more commitment to our local church, that we don't swing the pendulum too far on the other side to where 
every spare minute of time is filled up with something of the church because one that's that's unrealistic right you're you're gonna get burnt out you're gonna get tired you're gonna get sick things are gonna happen right and it's going to actually create a situation to where you aren't able to serve because of how much you've been serving right so i i think i use i use the i, I use the illustration of you know when they when you're flying on an airplane they tell you that if the oxygen masks come down you got to put your own on first before you can help others right because they want yeah. you to be able to breathe right and if you're just running around trying to help others but there's no oxygen you're only going to be able to help a few people and then you're done right but if you if yeah. you have that supply of oxygen and it's healthy and and you're able to actually sustain that then you're able to be effective for a lot more people right so with that kind of being the the real world example i guess you have to understand that it is absolutely 100% true we need to be all in on the local church we need to be committed to our brothers and sisters we got to be in each other's homes we got to we got to be at you know uh, at church on the lord's day but it's not done out of some sort of like feeling of uh, duty it's done out of love and it's done out of commitment to our brothers and sisters. It, we are commanded to do it, but it's something that should be stemming out of love. And we need to understand that if if we're going to love one another effectively, we have to make sure that we are taking care of ourselves practically. Right? Mm-hmm. So the same motivation that you have for loving your brothers and sisters and being invested in their lives and committing to the church and engaging in all these things should be the same motivation that you have for taking a break. And it's because both of those are going to result in the blessings to your brothers and sisters, right? So we don't take a break out of guilt or we don't take a break out of just like, oh, I'm just, I, I'm done with this. I'm done with people. Even though we might feel that way sometimes, especially the introverts that are listening to me right now, I totally get you. Right. But because you love those people, because you want to be effective for them, because you want to be able to serve them in a way that's actually lasting and practical, you're going to take a break, right? And maybe yeah. that means we, Sorry, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say and when you when you're talking about a break, we're kind of talking about, you know, the secondary question you received, right? You know, what in in your mind when you think of take a break, you listed some things we don't take a break from. Absolutely. Um, you yeah. know, and and so what are the things in your mind, you know, that that you're thinking these are things that are that are at times uh, possible and beneficial to take a break from? Right. Yeah. So we're not taking we're not talking about taking a break from church. Right. We're not saying, you know, OK, you know, I'm going to take two months off of uh, off of Sunday mornings. That's not what that's not right. That's not good. That's not healthy. That's not going to help anybody. Right. But what I am saying is maybe you need to take a break from having people over for a little bit. Maybe you need to take a break from, uh, you know, if it, if it if this is applicable to your church, maybe you need to t- take a break from playing music every Sunday. Maybe you need to take a break from, uh, you know, practically cleaning the church if that's if that's what you're doing, right? If it's if it's resulting in in burnout, it's okay to take a break. And I think there's a lot of guilt and stigma behind that that that, and that people need to understand. It's okay to take a break. We take vacations from work, right? And it's not that we were supposed to view church as work, but it's okay to take a sabbatical. It's okay to take a week off. It's okay to back off a little bit, to regroup, 
uh, you know, catch your breath, refresh so that you can then be more effective in serving uh, when you hop back in. Right. So we're not talking about taking a break from the essentials, like still come to church, still be invested in church life, still be in contact with your brothers and sisters, all that stuff. It just means that maybe the level to which you are involved in some of those things comes back a little bit just for the sake of your health and then also the future health of of your ability to serve in church. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and we had talked earlier in an earlier episode, I mean, obviously because John tends to be cyclical and he repeats himself, we also, I think, beneficially can repeat ourselves. And one of the things we had talked about was how when we talk about fellowship or we talk about building relationships with the with the body and within our local church we need to understand that that cannot be rushed that mm. you know i can't i can't look at this text right here and say okay i'm going to go seek to love others and that member who i don't know i'm going to go over to their house tonight and have dinner with them and then and then the following day i'm going to do this with them and then next week two times a week or something it some relationships do come out of that but i think these things can take time yeah absolutely and i think i think it sounds like what you and i are both saying is again there's a difference between boundaries and walls we're mm. we're not talking about cutting ourselves off from the local church but i do think you know there are different expectations, and I think our expectations should be uh, governed by what the Word says. Yep. You know, uh, the Word of God does command for us to gather and assemble on the Lord's Day. Um, Hebrews 10 um, is explicitly clear about that, that we should not neglect gathering. So mm-hmm. just as one example... I think that's a good point of, you know, hey, even even when we don't feel like it, we must still go before the Lord. We must still be uh, obedient, not out of a cold deed, as you were mentioning earlier, but out yeah. of a love and care for one another. But there are going to be those times where we're like, man, I'm, I'm finding, you know, maybe this week or something, I am... I'm I'm mentally exhausted mm-hmm. or I'm you know I'm maybe walking through some things in a different family dynamic the boundary would be you know just I'm not going to kill myself out of the sake of of love sacrifice out of that is not I guess that was a point I was making earlier even is you know uh, the type of sacrifice we're talking about is a willing voluntary sacrifice right it right. is it is not laying yourself at the altar and letting everybody take a chunk of you yeah I think I think right. those are the churches where we see the greatest unhealth absolutely um, absolutely well it's where we just see the few being sacrificed yeah hundred percent and and it's something that I think I think we as the church too need to understand we need to create a we need to create a a culture if you will in the church to where people understand and are comfortable with coming and saying I need a break because they know they're not going to be guilted into 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 staying but also those brothers and sisters are going to come around that need and help them right they're, like if you're if you you know open your home for a community group right and it's just been a horrible week awful week right and we all have them and you just I just can't have people over right now it's just not going to work communicate that that's okay communicate that and then let the local church do what the local church does and meet somewhere else, whether it be the church building or someone else's house, right? There are there are ways that we can help one another 
and serve one another even in that. So don't don't be afraid to come to your deacons, come to your elders and say, I'm struggling here. I, I need help. I need, I feel, I'm feeling tired. I'm feeling burnt out. I need some assistance with this. Of course, we're going to give you assistance with that. That's what we do, right? Um, so it's yeah. just it's just having that that culture and that expectation in church that we need to be real with one another. We need to be real with one another when when we're when we're ready to have a whole bunch of people over. Let's let's have an awesome time of fellowship together. And let's also be real when I just can't do it this week, right? And and yeah. just and have grace for each other in, in all of those situations, right? Yeah, I I think those have been the greatest uh, times of community groups that I've experienced is when people are willing to be very real and not for the sake of show, but be very real with one another and not of being very real. Other people seeking to quickly hear and and gather around that Mm -hmm. and not quickly fix that or or or, you know, move on from there. So very important. Yeah. Well, and and that that's contagious, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, as I try to model that, I think it encourages other people to model that. And when they model that, it encourages other people. And that's how you get a church that is so united and close-knit together, is that we are yeah. all modeling that to each other. And it's contagious, and it spreads. And that's one of the best things that can spread in a local church. Yeah. I think that's a really good reason as to why um, we we often will talk about the priority of the local church. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is a that is a family. Um, again, you know, in our in our group, we even had someone um, saying, you know, I realized, um, you know, last night at our community group, they were saying, you know, I realized that I I give of myself so much to my my immediate family but almost even to the detriment of never being available for my church family. Mm, sure. And, and, and I, 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 I hear, you know, in that what they were saying and realizing the deficit that there needs to be time given. There needs to be uh, an availability to one another. We can't yeah. just say, hey, good to see you on Sunday, see you next Sunday. Um, if someone else is living life, you know, Monday through Saturday, and so am I, you know, there's some, some reasonable needs there yeah. in both of our lives. Um, you know, in light of that, one of the last questions, a quick one for us that was sure. asked was, is it okay to use my tithe to give to individual needs rather than the tithe, rather than to tithe to the church? And I think that's a super good question. Yeah. Um, again, uh, the question was asked in light of, you know, maybe seeing somebody on the street or, um, you know, seeing, uh, you know, some maybe a friend who doesn't go to your church starts telling you, um, you know, hey, I yeah, I'm, I'm low on rent or something. And I think, you know, the way our group discussed this, I, I found very helpful, which was to say there's nothing wrong with giving further of our needs, but we should never neglect um, giving to our local church. Um, because, again, I think we, we take the the instruction that God has given to us, kind of put it aside and say, I'm going to do what I think is best. Um, where, again, when we've committed ourselves to a local church, we're saying, I am caring for the whole body and and what this body is committed to caring for even beyond its own body um locally and so uh, i don't know if you've had if you'd have anything to add to that really quick yeah Uh, yeah i would say uh, the i yeah i don't think that the your local church should 
be on the on uh, should be the first thing on the chopping block. Let's just say that, right? I, I think I think if 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 we see needs uh, that are outside of our local church, I think it's awesome that we want to that that we want to, you know, commit to help help those needs. But we also understand that I I believe, and this isn't just something that I that I say with any amount of like massive authority, like you must do this, right? But I think the needs of our local church and our brothers and sisters in the local church, the, the local church that we are committed to should be the primary source of our service, right? That's our time, our treasures, and our talents. I think that should be primary, right? Um, you know, can you give a tithe here and there to, to you know, uh, to help this and say, hey, you know, someone was short on rent and I uh, use the money. It, it sh- yeah, look, I, I'm not gonna like. I'm not gonna be mad at that. Of course not, right? But if it's an ongoing thing of seeing the local church as just something that you can kind of give or take to, because oh, you know, the local church is always going to be there, right? If, if if that's the mentality behind that, I would have more of I'd have more of an issue with that mentality versus the action itself. Um, even though I think the action itself should should is a is a product of that mentality right so i think i think our thoughts should always be primarily for our local church first for our brothers and sisters uh first primarily and then on top of that if the lord has blessed us to be able to you know give to whether it be um other ministries that have blessed us or other needs that we see i definitely think we should be doing that but um yeah yeah i would just say be very careful with that to not view your local church as just kind of an expendable thing that can be put on the chopping block if you see something else that you'd rather give to right yeah absolutely and and i think we've you know even mentioned it before and i think it's a really important point especially in this day and age ask your pastors yeah absolutely Um, talk with your pastors every single you know that's the difficult thing about answering a question on a podcast um we may answer one perspective of the whole idea you know and so yeah that um, that that question could have so many so many reasons that person's asking that question, and I'm going to answer one of those ways one way, and the other another way, right? So it really depends on the situation. Yeah, um, yeah right. Come and tell me the actual situation, and, and I'll tell you what I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think to resolve on, you know, do not shrink back from loving your brothers. Well, who are the brothers and the sisters uh, God has you know, primarily placed geographically in your life. Well, that's the local church you're a member at. And so don't shrink back from tithing. Don't shrink back from, from uh, giving and caring for one another's needs. Uh, Press, press in um, and, and with some healthy boundaries as needed, um, seek to love one another. Well, I think that's a really important thing and we'd be challenged, uh, to, to really think through where am I giving, where am I caring for other people's needs. Absolutely. So. Love it. As you would say, 100%. 100%. That's right. <laughs> Apparently I say that. Yeah. <laughs> I still want to, I want to get stickers made that just say 100% and then 100%. like Josh. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> there we go. We'll have to get some yeah. practical swag. That'd be like little stickers I can put on my notebook. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, that'd there be fun. Yeah. That, yeah. Sweet. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, uh, I guess since we do things different, I can say thanks everybody for listening. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> um, you know, you can catch us on Practical Pod on the socials, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, if you have a question that you want to have answered or you would like to engage with us um, or send us an email or something, um, you can visit our website, practicapod.com. There's a little form on there to fill out. Uh, and there's the podcast archive if you'd like to be listening there. And, of course, you can always catch it on your favorite podcast app. But thanks for listening. Right. Josh, thanks for preaching, doing the recap, and uh, chatting about the sermon today. Absolutely, man. Always love coming up there and filling in for you. 100%. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Goodbye. Thanks all for listening. Later. Later. <laughs>